right, welcome back to Top 25 Voter Pod. Uh, with me, as always, is my good friend and colleague, John Werner. He's below me today uh, on the totem pole <laughs> on my screen. Uh, John, how you doing? Freshly shorn, John Werner. Yeah, I uh, I wanted to look good when I went to Manhattan, Kansas on Tuesday. And uh, I think I passed the test. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, good deal. If your wife approves, that's all that matters. That's right. uh, <laughs> and back with us, I say back with us. So we have a couple different podcasts. Uh, we have our um, One True podcast where we talk college football, Big 12 football, and Kelly was with us uh, last fall, um, and uh, glad to have Kelly Hines of the Tulsa World back with us. Uh, but now we're talking college basketball, and I, I've already promised Kelly that uh, we'd give her a reprieve from talking about Tulsa basketball because they're not doing so well right now. <laughs> It's not, it's not going well. Let's just say that. Yeah. But Kelly, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've been there at Tulsa for 15 years, uh, doing your thing, a lot of different beats. Uh, and you know, even this college basketball season have been on a couple different beats. Yeah. I mean, going back to, um, last January, I've, I've been moved around quite a bit. Um, but I, I actually starting, um, starting next week, I'll be covering Oral Roberts a little bit. And that's, um, obviously a good team that could be playing, um, a lot in March. So, um, yeah, so I'm very excited about, uh, the remainder of the basketball season. It's just been a journey to this point. And Kelly does vote on the, Go ahead, say, say hello to Paul Mills for me. Oh, Paul is a very good guy. Yeah, no yeah, doubt. A does dude. a good job there at ORU. Uh, Kelly does vote on the men's top 25 poll, as does John. I vote on the women's. Uh, makes a lot of sense for the name of the podcast. So there we go. Uh, let's talk some college basketball. Uh, so Houston moved back into the number one spot this past week in the top 25 in the men's poll. Uh, it's the fifth, fifth week this season that the Cougars have been at number one. Uh, we've also seen North Carolina. They started out the year at number one, not so much anymore. Uh, we've had Purdue. We've had Alabama um, holding that one spot for various times this season. So it feels to me like it's another year where, you know, there's no clear cut, like favorite out there. Um, so as of today, and obviously we are closing in on March, um, who would y'all's teams be that would be kind of that most likely to cut down the Nets team? And what are the odds that that team comes out of the Big 12 for the third straight year? Kelly, I'll start with you. Man, I love that Houston team. Um, you know, having covered the American for several years and seeing them up close, like this is, this is Kelvin Sampson's best team there. I think that they have everything they need. I think it's a tough gritty team. Like it always is always going to be exceptionally um, good rebounding team. They do the little things. I do have some concern about, you know, coming out of the American and maybe not being challenged as much there as, you know, you look at, Purdue and literally everyone in the, in the big 12, I feel like they're maybe more equipped for a deep run, but it's hard to count out Kelvin Sampson. Um, so, you know, I, any, any chance there's 
like just doing the poll each week when I'm like weighing Houston, another team, like I, I tend to give the edge to Houston. I just feel like they're a very complete team. Um, you know, they, they beat Oral Roberts by like 40 points and, and Oral Roberts is a great team. It's just, they're, they're the American being down this year. I, I don't think that's helping Houston um, in, in terms of preparation, but I really like Purdue. I really like Kansas and Baylor and Texas. You could go down the list, Kansas state, Iowa state, you could go down the list in the big 12. So really any of those big 12 teams, um, I feel like they are going to have um, a chance once, once you get to the tournament. John Boyd. You know, I agree with Kelly. I think Houston's got a great team. They've got a lot of great postseason experience the last couple of years. And like she said, they're a heck of a rebounding team and uh, they play good defense. They're, they're really athletic. Uh, you know, guys like Marcus Sasser, Darius uh, uh, Walker, uh, Juwan Roberts, uh, just very talented guys. I think they've got a pretty good bench. Uh, then as far as the other teams, uh, I think Alabama's just got too many off-field issues. Yeah, I think, I think that's going to sink them. There's just too, too many bad vibes going around that program. I think Kansas has a shot again, but I just don't think their bench is deep enough. You know, if, say if Grady Dick or, or Jalen Wilson is off a, a night, I don't think they have a bench to cover them this year. Purdue, uh, they probably have the player of the year in Zach Eady, uh, 7'4 guy, has had a great year. Uh, I don't think they have the guards, though, to stack up to some teams. I think UCLA is a really good team. Uh, as far as Baylor, they just do not play good enough defense, I, I think, to get, you know, well, they might get to a Final Four if a lot of breaks went their way but and they obviously have great shooters but boy their defense is it's I don't know it might be the worst I've seen Scott have have been I would say at least five years or something like that or maybe longer probably since that 18 team but uh yeah I'm going with Kelly on Houston I I just like that team if Houston wins can the Big 12 claim them I mean you know they're gonna be in the Big 12 (laughs) soon enough Right. So I think that that just makes it that's going to make the Big 12 just such a loaded conference. I mean, to think about what it is now and bringing, you know, Houston and, and the other new members, they all bring something. But bringing Houston, oh, my gosh, that's just going to make it just yeah. a lot. That's no a stack conference. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so as you all see, of course, I have Rockets pennants behind me. Uh And I do have some Houston connections. I went my first four years of school in Houston. Uh, I I don't really have much connection with U of H other than I love Akeem the Dream and Clyde the Glide and, you know, those fly slam pajama teams. And so I personally, for for nostalgia's sake, would love to see Houston kind of take it home. And, um, yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. I also read a column uh, just this morning um, from an old Houston sports writer, John Lopez, who uh, talked about the Final Four being in Houston this year, yeah, and um, the potential of um, you know four Texas teams potentially getting there. Like, obviously, the Longhorns are pretty good. Baylor is you know is good, as John says, has some problems on defense, but they're still a top ten team in the country, or they were. Uh, probably until the next poll. Um, 
and A&M's not bad this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be interesting. I mean, uh, you think of Texas as king football state, but really it's been basketball that's kind of been holding the banner up in this state. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on Houston to, to get to the final four, but I feel like that's that's realistic. I, I think that they have what it takes. You just have to have everything go right. Like it's just, it's, you think it's going to happen. And then, you know, how many times does it just not happen for teams that you're like, Oh no, they'll be there. I mean, it's yeah. just, I would love to see them get to that stage and see what that's like for them to be playing in Houston. Right. Well, I'm sure after like the first weekend, we'll all take our brackets and we'll just, you know, <laughs> do that because that's what'll happen. That's March. Uh, so on the flip side of uh, what's happening in Texas is what's happening in Oklahoma. And Kelly, the Big 12's two Oklahoma teams uh, are not ranked, though the Cowboys, um, they have seven conference wins under their belt, at least when I wrote this question. Have they played again? I don't remember. Um, they played Monday. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, so they should be in the in the field, I would think. We, John and I have talked about this. We feel like there's going to be a pretty good sampling of Big 12 teams in the March Madness field. Um, so for OU, Porter Mosier is in just his second year there as the Sooners head coach. Um, so he's kind of in a rebuilding situation. And you got Mike Boynton. Uh, with just one NCAA trip to show for it in his six years in Stillwater. Um, so my question is just what's kind of the feeling among those Sooner and Cowboy fans about, about these guys? Well, I definitely felt like going into the season, which I, I started the season covering Oklahoma State, so I, I kind of knew what the situation was with them. You know, I felt like that was this is going to be a very important year for Mike Boynton because – um, you know, he has has a long-term contract and he's kind of locked in there for a while, a lot of money involved. Spot just does not want to not be on the <laughs> Um, and so I I when things didn't start off great, I was a little bit concerned for him. But then as soon as I was taken off the beat and, and moved back to Tulsa, things got a lot better um for them, which is great. Um, but you know, I feel like there's a lot of pressure to not just get to the tournament, but win some games there. And and I don't know that they have that type of team. I think they have a good team. I don't think they have a great team, you know, not having Avery Anderson um, that hurts, but they have some really good pieces, but um, they are very vulnerable to having bad nights. And um, you know, it, I think that they, they may still have some work left to do, you know, with these last few games, um, they've dropped a couple in a row and they they may need to win a couple more to get to that point. So I, I think that people are somewhat optimistic about the conclusion of this season, and that's going to sort of affect um, their opinion of Mike Boynton. Um, super well-liked guy, and I think he's an excellent recruiter. It's just, you know, I feel like uh, some fans are are – not super high on, on him because everything, you know, as we know, is based on, on tournament wins. So if you're not getting tournament wins, that's, that's, it's going to be tough to, to keep fans on your side with OU still early in, in Porter Mosier's time there. Um, this season has, has kind of gone a weird direction, but then you, you see them beat Alabama, like very soundly. So it's kind of a weird team. Um, definitely, you know, they, if, I think if they had one or two more pieces, they, they would be a good team. Um, but not quite there yet. But I, I think I think Porter has has time. I think people are willing to be patient. He came in 
with um, a great reputation and a lot of success. And I think people are like, this, this could work out. He just needs, needs some more time. At least that's maybe how I feel. Like it's still pretty early on for him, but um, they're not especially enjoyable to watch when they're struggling. And they, they had a few games there that I was like, I, I cannot watch this. And I've, I've watched bad basketball really all season and I, I would, I would turn off their games. So, um, you know, I, I, I think uh, it's just been a weird season for the Oklahoma teams um, because really I think Oral Roberts is, is the best team in the state. And, and that's, you know, says kind of a lot about where the other teams are. Sure. No doubt. I'm a float a theory out there and see what you think about it. So do you feel like, uh, Oklahoma State, like once they didn't have the pressure of Kelly Hines coming to their games, I mean, they could say, oh, all right, now we can play basketball. Yeah, I definitely feel like there's something to that. It's just it's <laughs> weird when you start a season and, and you just expect to see it through. And, and you know, there, especially when there's a lot of optimism with it and yeah. then it takes a weird turn and then you're not part of it. It's like yeah. I'm just going to move on with my life and do something else. But uh, it's there were games that um, I watched that I was like, I kind of thought I'm not having to cover this, and then they started winning, and I'm like, okay, that's 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 great for them. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so I, I cover the Baylor women, uh, and just talking about women's basketball a little bit. So South Carolina continues to reign uh, atop the pole. Um, Although, for the first time this season, the Gamecocks were not the unanimous number one this past week in the top 25. Uh, One voter gave a number one vote to Indiana. And the Big Ten has been strong this year in women's basketball. So I can kind of see that. Although, I don't know, you know, South Carolina still hasn't lost. So if you had them number one all season, then you all, all of a sudden you change that. I, I don't know. It's it's an interesting thought, and I don't I haven't even looked up to see who that voter was, but it wasn't you. <laughs> it was not me. Uh, so here are the last six finishes for the, in the NCAA tournament for Don Staley's program. So uh, six years ago, national champs, uh, Elite Eight, Sweet Sixteen, uh, COVID, and they were thirty-two <laughs> and one the COVID season. So they probably would have done all right. Uh, final four and then national champs. Um, so my question is this has South Carolina maybe supplanted UConn as the premier program in women's college basketball? What do y'all think? I think so for sure, and I'm here for it. I love that. Um, I think that it is a little bit of a different era in, in women's college basketball because I mean, remember when UConn was winning every year and they were so dominant that it like irritated people who were like oh this is bad for the sport like oh sorry there's a really good program right Um, so like we're not to that point but I I definitely feel like um you know just like the finishes that you mentioned you know I I think that um South Carolina is there at the top but there are still other programs that you're like no they they could be in the mix whereas with UConn you're like why even watch the tournament they're going to win every game by like 20 points it's not even enjoyable to watch because they're too good um, but, uh, it, the games are still, um, even South Carolina's games are, are, I think they're very entertaining because they play so well, but their, their maybe dominance isn't extreme. Um, but I like that they're, I think what I like most about women's college basketball is like the aggressive scheduling. So you're going to see like super high quality games. 
um, throughout the season. No one's like afraid to like, you know, hurt their record or any of those things. They just like want to be on a big stage. And I think South Carolina has embraced that. And I, I love when there are big personalities and, and Don Staley, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't back down from anything. She says exactly what she feels. I love that. So um, I'm, I'm a fan of that program. I think that they have um, another great team and they have a chance again, but they're, they're not to the point of, Oh, just, just right. Right. Don't even fill out a bracket. They're going to win it. Cause I think there are, there are other teams that, that could win it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we talked about earlier on the podcast uh, this this year uh, the fact that um, at three of the premier programs, UConn, um, South Carolina, and LSU, you have these coaches who will say just whatever the crap they want to say. I love that. I love yeah, it. I'm here for it, for sure. What do you say, John? Uh, you know, when you're reading off Don Staley's resume, it sounded a lot like Kim Mulkey's at yeah. Baylor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was what she did at Baylor. You're right. Yeah, pretty much. But uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, you know, there's becoming a little more parody. Uh, you don't want to see the same team win it every year. Uh, you want different teams competing for the title. And uh, I watched a lot of that South Carolina LSU game on Super Bowl Sunday, and I mean. LSU, I thought they gave a really good effort, and they've got some pieces, but they're just not in the same league, really. I mean, when South Carolina wanted to take over, they took over and just uh, pretty much controlled that game down the stretch. And uh, but yeah, they're they're kind of the kingpins right now. Uh, but uh, but you know, I think the the women's tournament has reached a point where there could be an upset. And uh, I think that's a really good thing. Yeah, no doubt. So uh, I was off the Baylor women's beat for about 10 years, took myself off of it. (laughs) (laughs) That was a wise decision. Uh, And then I returned to it this season. And having returned to the top 25 voting, I will say this, that not only is there a little more parity, there's a lot more parity. Um, and there's been weeks where I think 15, 16 teams in the top 25 lost a game that week. I mean, that's, you know, I can remember when that was not normal. And so that speaks to just, you know, there's good teams all over. Um, and, you know, yes, I think South Carolina is the best team in the country this year. Um, and that program that, you know, maybe everyone is chasing right now, but, uh, you know, watch out for Stanford, watch out for UConn and uh, and these other teams at the top of the pole. Um, Iowa is a really fun team with Caitlin Clark. They're just, you know, fun to watch. So, yeah, uh, it should be it should be an interesting NCAA tournament for sure. Um, so finally, John, we referenced it earlier, but you just got back from a quick trip to Manhattan, mm-hmm. uh, even Talk about how quick it was. You flew up game day. That is is not normal, but um, was that your first trip to Manhattan for basketball? It was my first since 1997. 97. The first year of the Big 12. There you go. Yeah. Uh, So they call that place the Octagon of Doom, which I love. Um, And on TV, the game the other night, it certainly looked like there was just a raucous, intense atmosphere for that K-State-Baylor game. 
Um, you have also made multiple trips to Allen Fieldhouse and Lawrence. And Kelly, I'm sure you have also been to a lot of cool basketball venues. So my question, what's the best basketball atmosphere that you guys have witnessed? And what's your bucket list place? <laughs> uh, I guess I'll start here. Uh, Allen Fieldhouse, by far. Uh, they pack it every game. Those fans, they're really passionate about basketball. Uh, they know the game. They know when to get on players. They seem to know everything about the opposing team. So if somebody's really struggling, they'll get on that player. Um, and uh, it's just its just a fantastic atmosphere. It's a, it was built in 1955. Uh, so it's, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's an old style that still has some bleacher type of seats. Um, but yeah, that one's great. But, you know, uh, obviously it'd been a long time since I'd uh, been to Bramlage Coliseum and it's really a, a great venue. And, and what I like about it, it's just one tier of seats and they, they go all the way down uh, from the top and uh, it, and it, the, the fans are really tight uh, against the court and it uh, really creates a really good atmosphere. You're kind of like you're in a, in a vortex there, sort of. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's a really good one. Now, Kelly, you probably hadn't been around as this long, but the old Gallagher Iba before they raised the roof. Yeah. Man, that place was just death to teams coming in there. I mean, the fans are on top of you. That roof was low. Eddie Sutton's teams were fantastic. I mean, you didn't have much of a chance of winning there. Uh, so that, that was really great. And, you know, if they if they still pack the place, I'm sure, you know, with all the improvements, it'd still be great. Uh, and as far as bucket lists, I'd say Cameron Indoor. Uh, you know, that's obviously, obviously a, you know. An that's a stock place. answer. That's a good answer. It, it is. Yeah. So, Kelly, yeah. what do you say? So I covered Oklahoma State a decade ago for two seasons. Those were the two seasons when Marcus Smart was there. And that was um, – those were – really interesting seasons, but I, I went everywhere in the big 12, those two years, except for West Virginia, because it's a little far, but um, my favorite trips during that time were, were definitely Allen Fieldhouse, but I, I like Bramlage a lot, but I really liked Hilton Coliseum when, when it's packed, when it's a big game, um, really, really any arena that has the students close, has the fans close to the court, Let's the media still sit close to the court. That's the dream. Amen. Uh, if you're <laughs> like, uh, dream. if you're really far away from it, you're like, I am not really part of this, uh, but it's like watching on TV, I guess. Um, but I, I think, um, you know, I've been to Cameron Indoor for a non-conference game. I've been um, to Hinkle. You know, I've, I've been to places that would be on my or probably were on my bucket list but if you're not there for like a really big game <laughs> it's it's a, definitely a different experience so i think my bucket list is is you know important games at those venues um i the game that i went to at cameron indoor was one of the first games of the season i was up there for um a two a tulsa football game um against east carolina and it was cool but you're like mm, i could see how this would be a lot more enjoyable if if it was packed and People were really into the game. So I definitely would like to go to North Carolina um, game at, at Duke. But, um, you know, I, I I just I like the newer arenas, but it's it's the old ones that have my heart. And and 
covering games when when you're when it's a big game and you're close to the court, it's just a totally different experience. And I know it's so trendy now to put the media far, far away and have those uh, seats close to the court for big donors. But I hate that. Yeah, I, I <laughs> agree for the donors, I guess. But so often it's like like an NBA game when um, you have uh, people who have a lot of money, but maybe aren't that invested in the game close to the court. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Oh, another one I really like is Wichita State's arena. Um, the roundhouse. I like that one a lot. That's a place I've been to a few times. And, and that's that's a pretty good one, too. Yeah, those are good answers. Uh, John and I have been fortunate enough to have covered some national championship games, both men's and women's basketball. Um, And I will say, obviously, that does raise the level of intensity and, you know, everything. I mean, that's that's but at the same time, you know, the atmosphere is great, but all those NCAA tournament like Final Four type games are in these giant, you know, football arenas and you lose something there i think with the atmosphere um i'll go back a few years on one of my favorites and that was john you remember when uh a&m had g raleigh white oh yeah uh the holler house is what they called it uh that place you know when they would fill it up that was a pretty good atmosphere i remember watching uh a&m play kansas when when Paul Pierce was uh, oh, yeah. at KU, and that, that place was lit, man. It was, I mean, the Aggies can get crazy. We know that. Uh, <laughs> and then I will mention one other one that I was not at, but I just want to bring it up because I know, John, you always talked about it. And, yes, this was in um, a, a football arena. But when Baylor played, was it the – when they played Duke at – NRG stadium yeah. down in Houston uh, in the NCAA tournament. How many, how many Baylor fans were there? I mean, it was maybe one of the best show up showings they've ever had. I think it was close to 40,000. I mean, that's Baylor just fans. incredible for yeah. a basketball game. And wasn't that atmosphere pretty, pretty good? Yeah, it, it really was, you know, especially, uh, you know, for a, a football stadium. I mean, <laughs> they really made it, more basketball-like somehow. And, uh, yeah, it did help having all those Baylor fans there. Yeah. So, little-known fact, John does know this fact, but I I was actually born in North Carolina, got to Texas as fast as I could, but uh, my grandmother and my nana, she's still alive, she lives in North Carolina, and I have visited uh, UNC, and that court is awesome. I would love to see a game there. Um, and I'm with y'all on Duke. Uh, obviously, Cameron Indoor, that just feels like a bucket list kind of college basketball place. But, um, yeah, so there's still time. Maybe we'll get there. So. <laughs> I did want to mention Kelly brought up Hinkle Fieldhouse, and it was really unique uh, watching Baylor play two NCAA tournament games there in 2021 mm-hmm. which wouldn't have happened except for COVID yeah yeah and uh, that was pretty awesome to, to to be there and you know just such, such a, an historic venue like that yeah no doubt John you were in the bubble uh you were, you were <laughs> our bubble guy for like a month weren't you yes uh yes it was very John, Kelly John went from Kansas City covering the Big 12 tournament and he just 
drove over to Indianapolis, uh, into Indiana. And I mean, we didn't see him for like a month. <laughs> Literally, it was a month. Yeah. Yeah. Your wife was happy to see you again. Oh, yeah. So that was, that's a, that's a book, John. You should write about that. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, thanks for hopping on with us. And, uh, you know, I hope you get to see some good college basketball soon. <laughs> it's <laughs> got to be soon. It's, it's got to be soon. <laughs> yeah, with ORU or whoever. So, uh, but always good to catch up and uh, appreciate your time. Anytime, guys. Enjoyed it. Yep. Thanks, thanks, Kelly. 